You are blessed. You are blessed. We are blessed. I invite you now to kind of head back to your seats. This is like, hey, Leilani, what's up? You're blessed. I love this rumble in person, by the way. This is kind of the greatest things. I get to hear, I think, of 2021, the rumble of us passing the peace and blessing to one another. Uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, hello, in person and online. My name is January, like the upcoming month, that is my actual name, and I am the worship arts pastor here, and today I'm delighted. I'm going to say that over myself. I'm not nervous, I'm not anxious, I am delighted and pleased to lean into, other than music, my other creative storytelling muscle to help share the word with you today. Uh, we've been in the throes of our Advent series, Birthing Pangs, and we've been discovering and walking along with the journey of what it means to conceive the hope of God, to carry it, and to deliver that hope. And as Eric and Nathan just shared so beautifully and so authentically, the joys and the sorrows that co-mingle together in that process. And today, I get to talk about the second trimester. And I know all about this because I've never been pregnant before. <laughs> but I did do, you know, research on Google, my best friend who gives information freely. And I also got to talk to a lot of my friends who are mothers. And they kind of said universally the same thing, which is during the second trimester, you start to feel the grounded reality of pregnancy that that is the richness of the second trimester, the grounded reality. And this shows up in a few ways. One, the mother's body, obviously, begins to transform, evolve, and grow to make room for the baby, right? And not just that, because morning sickness, hallelujah, is finally over, there's this curious source of energy that rises in the mother's body to really actually physically prepare the way for her child that is to come. And while this is going on, what happens to the baby? The baby moves on from this fragile, very delicate state of existence into having fully developed organs, into having full systems, like really being able to sustain kind of on its own, if you will, within the mother. And of course, because of this, and this is my favorite part uh, that I've heard, not that I've experienced, the mom gets to experience a tangible connection with her baby for the first time, the kicking of the baby. Right? And I talked to my really good friend, Pastora Inez, whom I was sermon prepping with because she's also speaking on the same subject today about Elizabeth. And she told me it felt like this. If you take your hands kind of like this and kind of lightly kind of do this to your stomach, I don't even know how to describe this action. She said, that's what it feels like. And at first she was like, it feels like butterfly wings fluttering inside your womb. Moms, do you agree? Okay, what about this? She then later translated that to, you know what, actually, January, it feels like little farts being released in your stomach. <laughs> Pastor Inez has a way with words. She's very anointed. So anyway, the second trimester, right, as we go through it, I, I, I was just kind of reflecting on how appropriate it is, actually, what an incredible illustration it is to what it's like for us when we are carrying our long-term hopes, our desires, our yearnings, right, our dreams, even our difficulties, as Eric was frankly sharing about. Right? So when we are hosting our hopes, we are forced to grow, transform, make room for our hope. I don't know if any of you guys know, may, well, some of you guys may know, I actually moved to LA to pursue acting. 
That's right. In 2006, Sandra Oh was a big thing. I saw her hair. I saw her acting. I was like, I could do that too. And so I decided to move to LA. I had to put in finances I didn't have into my acting classes. I had to put myself in uncomfortable situations at networks, right, at networking parties with industry people. I worked as a PA and then I had to find other waitressing jobs, literally, that made room for my last minute auditions. I had to make room for my dreams and my hopes to grow. If you want to become a doctor, where do you go? Med school, very good. If you want to get married, you have to go out on dates. And I know online dating is terrible, but that's what we have to do. And if you're desperately wanting the healing of somebody in your life, you have to make room to be a caretaker, to be present, to prioritize your life around them, right? Those are a few examples. But while that's happening, we notice that our hopes begin to host a life of their own. Right? I remember I was driving from Silver Lake all the way to Santa Monica in traffic an hour and a half just to be in the audition room for 45 seconds. I kid you not, Lala's story, that part is real, right? You stay in there for 45 seconds. I drive all the way back to Hollywood where I have a job as a Korean barbecue waitress. That's where I could grill meat very, very well. But in that hustle and grind, I never felt more like I wanted to be an actor. Right? Our dreams, our hopes, our long-term commitments take a life of their own. And of course, because of that, what happens? We develop a deep connection with our hopes. We rise as our hopes progress. We fall as our hopes degress. And oftentimes that whiplash is tiring, isn't it? That whiplash is difficult. Oftentimes, and there's no judgment here, we have to let go of our hopes because it's just that much difficult to get through to sustain. I was going through my morning devotionals and even before I was pre like preparing for the sermon, I came across this passage about Elizabeth. And I don't know what it was. I never paid attention to Elizabeth before. To me, she was like Mary's, you know, older second auntie. Like she's always like, when are you gonna get married? When are you gonna, you know, when are you gonna have babies? Like that voice, I kind of always tuned her out. She's like the pregame to the actual thing. But as I was doing my morning Devo, I realized how powerful Elizabeth's story is, how empowering it is, and what an incredible illustration she has, an example, representation of what it means to sustain our hopes and how. How do we stay strong during the liminal spaces of the beginning of our hopes and then the delivery of them? How do we stay strong? So let's go into the story of Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth in, in, in the, the text of Luke is described as someone who's married to Zachariah. Zachariah was a priest. They're both descendants of Aaron. And they're both known to be good and faithful, righteous people. They're well-reputed. However, Elizabeth and Zachariah, despite the fact that they were well advanced in age, could not conceive. And in fact, the text pointedly says Elizabeth was the one who could not conceive. Now, as we heard from last week, Harry and Eileen, and as I know from friends who've been trying for several years, and I'm sure as some of you may understand, the process of not getting pregnant, the seasons of infertility is literally life draining. It is disappointing and it's discouraging. And Elizabeth went through decades, decades of that, right? But on top of that, she lived during a time where there was a traditionally rooted belief, a deep sense of believing that God rewarded the faithful through descendants, through offspring. So the fact that Elizabeth did not have child brought her into a condition of disgrace. And I have a feeling because Zachariah was a priest, right? Whom would the fingers point to? 
the voices behind shut doors talking about this couple who curiously did not have children, they probably placed the blame, I imagine, on Elizabeth. And so it's easy for us to understand why her hope would die. Why her desire to have a child, a family, would bury itself into the ground. And of course, God being God, can't leave the situation alone. No, what God does is God resurrects Elizabeth's hope. And so miraculously, God allows for Zachariah and Elizabeth to have a baby, to conceive. And I'm not gonna even go into the really good conversation that Zachariah has with God where Zachariah is basically silenced, right? And we're not gonna even go there, but where we, where we are gonna go is the fact that Elizabeth is now, in the top of this text that we just read, in the depths of her second trimester. She is six months pregnant, miraculously. And her, her friend or her family, her kin, we don't quite know if it's chosen family or just regular family, Mary is about to visit her after Mary herself has had a divine encounter with God. Elizabeth has no idea. She's in the throes of her own miracle, right? The own miracle of her hope being resurrected. And this is her encounter. Let me read it for you again and kind of throw things in there, dissect it, okay? Follow me, okay? When Elizabeth heard Mary Mary's greeting, right? Not Mary, not Mary saying, Elizabeth, this is what happened, but Mary saying, hello, it's me. The child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit the second Mary says, hello. And why, for what purpose? To become a prophet. Because this is what she says. Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? I'm gonna stop right there. I understand if you're only, like, if I'm pregnant and I see another pregnant walking into the room and she's like a few months behind me, I, I can see how, you know, Elizabeth can understand, oh, Mary might be pregnant. I see things, I see changes in her body, she's got a glow, like she might, oh, she's wanting to vomit, like she is probably pregnant. But what Elizabeth understands here is not just her pregnancy, right? What Elizabeth says is the mother of the Lord is here, how blessed am I to be here with her. Elizabeth becomes a prophet in the sense that she's able to see the expanse, the breath, the divine plan of God that is residing within Mary. And then what happens? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, she says, a child in my womb leaped for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by God. Elizabeth, when she recognizes God's plan, there is a joy that just leaps in her womb. And that is inextricably tied to the understanding that God is faithful. That God fulfills what God says that God will do. So it's connect the dots, and I'm going to beat a dead horse today, so bear with me, right? Elizabeth, as she's carrying the resurrected hope of having a child that God grants her, is filled then with the Holy Spirit that anoints her so that she's able to see the divine sovereignty of God working within Mary, which then fills her with joy, sparks her with joy, which then allows her to proclaim, God, you are good. Blessed are those who believe that God is faithful. Nathan, you are blessed, brother, because you know that God is faithful. And the implication is this, for us, the idea being that when we carry our long-suffering hopes, that God raises to the surface, 
When we endure and persevere in carrying that hope, God fills us with the Holy Spirit. God anoints us with the Lord's presence. And despite the financial difficulty, despite seasons of infertility, despite not getting into the college of our choice, youth group, despite not getting those grades, despite that our parents are sick, despite a global pandemic, despite our, our family, our earthly families not embracing us due to our sexual orientation, despite the fact that we live in times of great uncertainty, despite all that, we are still able to see God working in the people around us. We are still able to see God working miracles into the situations around us, and that raises organic joy within us. That's what causes us then to come to church during a pandemic and say, Lord, you are good. Come along that expected Jesus. And it's that cycle, right? It's kind of like whack-a-mole. Each one of us just being like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh my gosh, I see, I see the Lord. Blessed am I, I see the Lord working in you. Blessed am I, for the, and then blessed are you. Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And this whole thing turns into a wave that we can ride that will sustain us through our hope, amen. And I'm, don't, 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 please don't mistake me for saying, you know, we don't believe in prosperity gospel here. We don't. It's not like, oh yeah, you know what, God, I would really like, you know, to book another McDonald's commercial this year. And God's like, well, January, you gotta wait about 45 years and then maybe, right? And then you've been good, you've been good. And then, no, it's not that. God is not Santa Claus. Okay? God is not Santa Claus. And the story of Elizabeth is not remarkable because she was a barren woman who bore a child. I mean, who happened to be John the Baptist. That's pretty cool, right? But anyway, that's not what actually makes the story really remarkable. The story is remarkable because Elizabeth's hope was dead and God resurrected it. This story is remarkable because Elizabeth's hope transformed it turned into, let me have a child, God. Take me away from this condition of disgrace to, oh my gosh, I'm so blessed because I'm in the presence of the hope of eternity, Emmanuel. We are blessed, aren't we? And so today... <laughs> Now my sermon begins, I'm just kidding. Uh, so today, I wanted us to experience kind of a meditation practice, a meditative coloring Visio Divina exercise. And the hope is as we kind of, you know, kind of pick up our elementary school tools, our beloved Crayolas, right? And at home, please now start to gather your materials. We're gonna enter into this practice together. The hope is that we will invite God as we meditate on our long-term hopes, we will meditate and we will invite God to saturate God's renewal of that hope. As we reflect on some of the questions that, you know, even Eric and Nathan answered, we're gonna color and we're going to see, hopefully, we're gonna visually meditate on the ways that God will fulfill God's promises to us. And so I ask you, as basic as it feels, or as silly as it might feel, or as uncomfortable even, or I don't want to do it, right? This time is for us to really sink in to the invitation of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, and I'm gonna apologize to my artists out there. I mean, Mary and I already approached you, and I was like, whoa, is me, I have to paint in front of you. I paint not because I'm a painter by occupation, but because this is actually a practice of Sabbath for me. I find it to be life-giving. And so oftentimes I process through paint and through canvas. And so I'm gonna do this with you and online. If you don't wanna do it, then just focus maybe on this canvas, and we, you and I, will do it together and reflect together, okay? And so, Go ahead and uh, take out a crayon or a color that represents to you your long-term hope. A color and a crayon that represents to you a long-term hope. And go ahead and color in, shade in, draw a design pattern um, onto your papers in a way that represents your journey kind of thus far. And I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and either heed my instructions or, this being art, do whatever the heck you want. And just be honest, if you feel like, oh man, I can't really remember, then just let your hands do whatever it wants to do. I just ask that you don't eat the crayons. So go ahead and fill out your paper. For those of us who may not be able to see or might have the gift of being colorblind, I'm currently using the color gold to represent my long-term hopes and desires. And feel free to utilize the Bibles at Heart Covers if you need. That's what Bibles are for. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. For those of us who may be wondering, I don't know if I have any. Maybe reflect on the hopes that have either been lost or fulfilled. And now I'm gonna ask you to pick a color or a crayon that represents some of the difficulties, the seasons of darkness that you've experienced. And fill your canvas as expansively or as focusedly as you feel. If those dark seasons have been saturated with pain, then go ahead and color in richly. If you feel like they've just been kind of webby-like, constant fog, go ahead and let your color reflect that. I am choosing the color black and blue because sometimes it's felt like I've been bruised.
Joel, I'm sorry if paint lands on your guitar, but it's black, so I think you'll be okay. Take ownership of it, too, you know? Take ownership of the difficulties. God knows. And as we reflect on the difficulties, I believe that it's two sides of the same coin, that God inevitably brings growth in the places of pain. So now pick a color that represents growth. And go ahead and fill out your canvas with that color that represents to you the growth met through difficulty and pain. I choose the color green because we're at evergreen. Just kidding, but because green always to me represents life and learning. And name the growth as you're coloring. Right? What is the type of growth that you've experienced? Was it emotional or physical? Was it spiritual? How did it feel, the growth? And now let's focus on some of the joys then. Because as hard as sometimes this process was, we still are here today. And there's been sparks of joy that has been kind of kicking within our spiritual wombs that have carried us through. So pick a color that represents joy to you and sprinkle it all across your canvas.
And then last but not least, can you imagine God looking at this canvas? Imagine offering this piece of, hum- this, this humble piece of paper with our humble coloring up to God. What is God saying to you? As God looks at this piece of paper that you are offering to him. Pick a color that represents God's voice. Imagine God speaking to you. Hear the words. And then color in the canvas as you would. I, um, I was classically trained on the violin um, from when I was the age of six, probably to like around 18. And when I went to college, I told my parents, there's no way I'm doing this anymore. Uh, I locked myself in the bathroom for five hours <laughs> to get my point across. And it was just a life too filled with pressure. And I still, I think, suffer from like performance, you know, anxiety from that time. Um, so I went to college and I wanted to major in film and TV production and three years into the program I realized, man, I just don't have the physical muscles to be on set, to go through that grind. So Rebecca, in front of house, I applaud you for being on set every day. It takes a lot, a lot, I'm telling you. And then like I told you, you know, I was inspired by Sandra Oh amongst many other people and I decided to move to LA to pursue acting. And it's been 13 years now with, you know, Obviously, if I'm here, I'm not making movies with Meryl Streep. I don't know, maybe they can coexist one day in Jesus' name, right? But I'm just about into the movies as a typical moviegoer is. That's just about as large as my role as an actor. I wanted to get married when I was 28. I'm 36. I wanted to have three kids. I have two cats. <laughs> um, and I knew I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to become a pastor. And I'm a worship arts pastor today. <laughs> Moral of the story, never say never. You know, it's easy for me to wake up on a given morning and just see the, kind of like the skeletal remains of my hopes and my dreams. It's easy to see how fossilized they've become, how hard and brittle. And it's really easy for me to feel discouraged. I suffer from imposter syndrome, as I've shared before, to really feel like, what am I doing? Probably like Elizabeth did, like, what, what is wrong with me? I'm a disgrace. I don't know. This is nowhere near technically brilliant, but it doesn't look like disgrace to me. And it looks messy. I dare say it even looks kind of beautiful. Thank you. And there's a lot of empty spaces here because I'm still in the process of discovering how God will fulfill God's promises in my life. 
And today, I can honestly say I play more music than I ever anticipated I would. In fact, our Christmas Advent album is dropping next Sunday, so y'all better listen and stream. I get to design how God's story is told on a weekly basis through multiple mediums and platforms. And every single person that you've seen leading worship today, I get to call my chosen family. I am rich. I am blessed. You are rich. Family, you are blessed. And the Lord will fulfill what the Lord has said in your life. Worship team, I invite you back up as I close this in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you revive old dreams, old hopes in our lives. We thank you for the ways that even if we quit and we surrender, Lord, you never do. We thank you for the ways that you illustrate to us over and over again that we are carried by you, that we are thought of by you, that because you conceived us, we can conceive God-sized hopes, impossible things that can only happen because of you. And Lord, at this time, we cover our processes. We cover our journeys. And we ask you to look at it. And we ask you to speak to us today your promises that we may have forgotten, your promises that may have died within us. And we pray that you will awaken us that all of our senses, like our old sermon series, God, to be able to recognize the Holy Spirit working. And may that spark joy that God carries us through eternity. Let it not be manufactured, but let it be something that grows deep within our wombs, something that you place, something that you protect, something that you cherish and you carry to full term. So we declare today, we proclaim, despite our situations, God, we are blessed. And you are faithful. We continue to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.